0: welcome into the program from ESPN, covering the NFL for ESPN, Ed Water. Ed, good afternoon. We appreciate your time today. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what's happened over the last few days. We had a Wednesday game, a Wednesday matinee game between the Ravens and the Steelers. We got the Cowboys going to play on a Tuesday night. Robert Griffith III and, and some of his teammates unhappy with the prep time. Is the NFL just going to play these games no matter what? Is that kind of where we are right now?
1: Well, I think they have done a remarkable job of getting all of the games played to this point, even though several have been postponed along the way, some of them even multiple times. Uh, and, and one of the things the league you know, made sure that teams were aware of, and, and don't forget the NFL Players Association is involved in all of these decisions too, so it's a cooperative effort. But one of the things that, that the NFL did was inform the owners and the teams that you know, there were going to be competitive inequities built into this. If they were going to be able to play through this pandemic, there were going to be situations that would seem to be unfair to certain teams at different times. And everybody agreed that that was acceptable and really the only way that they could possibly expect to play through this pandemic uh, to the point that they have. And so, yeah, it's been unfair at times. Uh, it, it's, it was unfair to, to the Ravens to have to play with a depleted roster, but missing seven starting players, including their starting quarterback, their top running backs, their top two receivers, uh, having no time to practice. But they're also responsible for making sure that they're honoring the protocols, um, and they weren't, just like the Broncos were forced to play last week without a quarterback, which most people think is the most egregious situation that a team has faced. But again, you know, the players are responsible for honoring the protocols that will limit their exposure and contain the disease. And that's why the league has pressed forward. And I think they're they, Roger Goodell articulated it again the other day. They're very determined uh, that they're going to play games on schedule, if at all possible, with only uh, player health considerations or team and personnel health considerations, the only factor that would cause them to postpone a game.
0: Ed, let me ask you this. With what's going on in California, uh, are are you hearing anything about what the league may do or what those teams being the 49ers, the Chargers, and the Rams may have to do in order to facilitate, like you were saying, continuing to march through the 16-game season?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and I mentioned the Broncos facing the most egregious situation. The team that has to make the biggest adjustment of all is the 49ers. You know, they're in Santa Clara County, uh, which just banned any kind of uh, contact or uh, involving any sports teams at any level, including the NFL level. And so they've been forced to relocate for the next three weeks to Arizona. They almost came – Dallas was another consideration – uh, but they're in Arizona, so on Sunday when I'm down there covering this Cardinals-Rams uh, game with uh, all kinds of consequences for the teams in the NFC West, the 49ers are going to be staying at the hotel literally uh, in the same block as the stadium. So you have all you know, three of the four teams right there in a two-block radius because the 49ers are being forced to adjust uh, to the pandemic situation in their hometown by having to relocate. And yeah, I think they've They've also checked uh, the, the Rams have talked about possibly going to San Diego to play games if necessary. So yeah, every every everybody had to have a contingency plan before the season ever even started, so that they're not starting from zero when they find themselves in a position where they need another place to play in practice.
0: Ed, you you mentioned contingency plan. I know there's probably conversations, but what what are your thoughts on? If we get to the playoffs and and we don't have we have a team that doesn't have the the numbers to play,
1: then I think the NFL will do whatever it has to do to delay it uh, for the most minimal amount of time possible uh, to get the game played and so that they're not inconveniencing teams on the back end. I mean it's it's you know obviously the Steelers were inconvenienced by. Uh, not only Tennessee's outbreak earlier in the season and the postponement of that game, which cost them their bye week, but then uh, they you know their preparation was interrupted multiple times as they waited for the Ravens uh, to be clear to the point that they could travel to Pittsburgh and play the game. And same thing with you know that had to be taken into consideration uh, in Denver last week as well well why are we the Saints have been penalized for not adhering to the rules themselves as probably as much as any team except the Raiders, but on the back end of that, well, why should, Why should the Saints have to suffer playing on a short week if we push this game back to, you know, give Denver a chance to uh, recover? What they were saying is, look, we think the Baltimore situation is not contained. Once we feel the virus is contained and they have enough players to play the game, they're going to play the game. And in Denver, they felt like it's a contained situation. Confined specifically to these four quarterbacks, there's no indication based on contract tracing that they were exposed to anyone else because it was an off day. It was all four quarterbacks in the same room. So we think that that situation is under control and they're going to play as scheduled. That was the difference. And a lot of people in Denver have been outraged about the fact, hey, they keep postponing this Ravens game and you know they would never do this to Patrick Mahomes. Well, they did it. They just did it to the league MVP. The reigning league MVP had to miss a game because of the coronavirus, among many other starting players on that team. Ed, um, Dak showed up at practice today. I think it's probably the first time he's been back, or it's the first time that he's been noticed. From a morale standpoint, how how good was that for the team? I don't. I don't know that it's going to have any you know carryover effect in terms of uh, them playing their game next week in in uh, uh, in Baltimore on Tuesday night. Um, I think it's probably good for everyone to see. Uh, And you assume that he—we haven't seen him out there. This is the first time he's been out there during the media portion. And based on the reaction of the players, it seems like they have not seen him either out there. Um, Based on Zeke, you know, kind of mocking him for walking around with a crutch and impersonating that, and (laughs) Dak showing him, "Hey, I can walk just fine without, you know, this crutch." Uh, I don't—I don't know that it's going to really motivate anybody as it pertains to next week's game. Obviously, I think it did hurt them when they lost him. Um, I, I think the instant reaction was. You know, we've just lost our chance to achieve our goals. This is the one guy who held us all accountable. This was the one guy who could allow us to overcome all of our flaws and rally from any deficit and win a game, and he's gone. I think there was an emotional toll that they suffered in the aftermath of the injury that lingered for several weeks, and really they should have been eliminated from any reasonable playoff situation, any division by now, but they're not. They're only still a game out as unbelievable as that seems. Um, so uh, can can they rally and find a way to win? I, I, I doubt it. I, the two teams I really count out right now are Dallas and Philadelphia. They've both played so poorly uh, for a long period of time. Uh, now the Giants have to struggle. You know, without, They're in first place, but now they lost their quarterback for who knows how long, and they have Colt McCoy starting at Seattle this week. So uh, maybe Washington is the best team, even though they played three different starting quarterbacks this year. <laughs>
0: I, I, I'm talking to the writer from ESPN and Ed I, I do appreciate appreciate you jumping on with us. I, I, I'd be reminisced if I didn't ask you and, and, and I know we talk on the podcast. we talk we, you and I have a lot of conversations off the air that I, I'm not sure I'll share with our listeners. but when you think about the, the NFL right now, the the pandemic, all the things that really have happened from a financial, uh, burden type situation, and then you think about how many NFL head coaching openings there could be, it, it almost feels like those two things don't match one another.
1: In terms of owners have lost an inordinate amount of revenue this off season, and so they're going to be more reluctant to replace coaches to whom they have a contractual obligation beyond this season. Is that, Correct. is that what you mean by that?
0: Correct. Correct. Thanks for clarifying my question. Area. And uh, we've talked uh, about that off air too uh, many a times.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I think if it's, if it, if a coach has had, uh, we've already seen coaches fired, right. Um, and, and so we've seen what there's four general manager openings already. Uh, there are multiple head coaching positions, Uh, currently occupied by interim coaches. We don't expect to be given the job on a permanent basis. So uh, I still think there's going to be, you know, five or six openings in the NFL this year, just like there is every other year, because there's so much pressure uh, to win. Uh, Do I think that Jerry Jones is going to fire Mike McCarthy after one season? No. Uh, And I think financial reasons are a part of that because the Cowboys probably have lost more revenue than any team in football, uh, given that they, you know, typically average uh, Lehigh 90,000 people per game. And and obviously this year they've had a max of like 30,000 and Jerry's not going to want to pay McCarthy and his full coaching staff then hire another head coach and his pay, his full coaching coaching staff for at least four more years. So no, I think finances are involved in a decision like that, but for a coach who's been there over a period, like I don't think the Jaguars are going to keep Doug Marone just because, you know, the Shea family didn't make as much money, as they expected to make. The Shaw family, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I think they'll still make that move. But I think where there might be some doubt, maybe, you know, maybe maybe there's a, a situation where you're unsure, and maybe that gives that coach the benefit of the doubt for another season. But rarely does it seem like that ever works out.
0: Well, And, and when we talk about the number of openings, I, I, I'll leave you with this and ask you this. With a job that it feels like Jason Garrett has done, uh, with the giants with Daniel Jones with how it feels like they possibly are the team to beat in the NFC East whether you know whether it's been four wins or what whatever the number that they finish at that gets them to to uh, to the end is Jason Garrett a guy that you would have to consider to be a candidate for some of these head coaching jobs
1: uh well I think he's highly regarded by a lot of people in the league and has been for a really long time. Um, but the Giants still aren't going to have a good record no matter what they do. But they have, like the Cowboys, been you know hamstrung by losing their best offensive player for most of the season. The Cowboys locked Steck, Prescott, they lost Saquon Barkley. Um, they've got their running game kinda going. For most of the season they've been reliant on Daniel Jones, been their leading rusher an inordinate number of times for a guy who's not considered a running quarterback, like Lamar Jackson at least, or Kyler Murray. Um, so I don't know that he can do enough in this short space of time and, and with in these circumstances to put himself back in a situation where he gets hired for a head coaching job. I can see people interviewing him for head coaching jobs and him impressing them. But I think it probably takes Jason Garrett another year to become a head coach. But I do believe Jason Garrett will eventually get another chance to be a head coach.
0: I I, I, I would I would agree with that. I just I, And as I I look around, and we've talked about this many a times, ooh, I don't know where they're going to get all these candidates to replace. You know, I you say five. I think there may be as many as seven openings in the NFL. I'm not sure where we're going to get all these candidates, but – Somebody's going to have to take these jobs, and you know some of these younger coordinators, I guess, are going to step up. And that does that seem to be the trend that you see continuing to going even though, or continuing to go even though you see possibly what Matt Nagy's done, the lack of uh, you know ability for those guys to be able to get the team to the next level.
1: Well, I still think generally that. Has been the approach that's worked the best over time in the NFL. Uh, You know, typically they don't go out and hire college head coaches um, for jobs, and when they have, it has generally failed. Um, But you know, guys like Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, you know, there have been any number of guys who have been successful um, as assistant head as assistants who have then gone on to run, uh, you know, winning programs and create a winning environment, as those two guys have that I've already mentioned. And so that gives now you say there's well, uh, how many how many assistants really can there be for all these shots? Well, there's you know Robert Soleil, who's a 49ers um, defensive coordinator. There's Matt Eberflus who was here, who's done a great job with the Colts. There's Dennis Allen who has head coaching experience and has the Saints number one in the NFL in defense. Uh, there's Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator uh, for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Brian Daybold, who's done obviously a great job uh, evolving. Josh Allen as a quarterback. There's Greg Roman, who created a whole offense for the unique quarterback skill set of Lamar Jackson. So uh, that's just a, that's just a handful of guys that I I would put on a list. And so I'm sure there are more than just that. So I think there are always good candidates for for the position for the number of openings. Generally speaking, there are more viable candidates than there are jobs available. And and who knows? Josh McDaniels might be willing to you know leave. New England now and and go someplace else in a way that maybe he wasn't, even though he agreed to a job with Baltimore. And, you know, that certainly taints him as a candidate. But I think there are a lot of great assistant coaches in the NFL who are in a position now where they're deserving of their opportunity to be a head coach somewhere else.
0: Well, listen, Ed, I I appreciate you jumping on with us on a Friday afternoon. And, again, thanks a lot for taking time. I know you're busy. And best best of luck with your travels and what you got going on this weekend, man. Thanks, guys.
1: Thanks for the invitation. Good to talk football with you all.
0: Thanks again. There he goes, Ed Werder.